content warning. This podcast contains coarse language and cheeky themes. So if you've got kids in the car, colleagues in the office, or a nonna in the kitchen, chuck some headphones in. Who the bloody hell are we? Conversations about immigration and culture in Australia with your hosts, Mel and Sonia. Hello, listeners. Welcome to today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Sonia Diorio and joining me once again is my co-host. Who is it? Melissa Viola. Hello. (laughs) She's here. Who is it? Who could it be? Yeah. Uh, Just in case the listeners thought I'd gotten sick of you and changed (laughs) co-hosts. She's ditched me. Uh, No, I'm here. I'm excited. I am keen for our interview today. Uh, Today we have the gorgeous co-founder of the multicultural organisation Latin Stories Australia, which focuses on sharing Latin American stories and immigration stories in Australia. And we're really excited to have her, Christina Abella, live over over the internet. (laughs) Thank you for inviting me to this really cool podcast. Oh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really yeah. appreciate it. And um, we've had a bit of a look at the um, the website that you co-run. Um, Mel mentioned in the intro, it is Latin Stories Australia. Um, can you tell us a bit more about what um, what the organisation is? Yeah, definitely. So Latin Stories it has a vision which is to advance multiculturalism and social cohesion in Australia in a way that is really respectful for both Latin American migrants and the wider Australian society. We have a couple of uh, platforms in by which we do this. So we really try to increase the sense of belonging and acceptance of our Latin American migrant community. And we try to build opportunities for Australians to learn more about what Latin Americans are about. What is it that we come here and contribute to? What, what are we made of? Are we a little bit maybe more than just food and tequila? What is it that mm. we are, you know, bringing to the society? And yeah. we also collect and publish these stories, uh, which we publish once a month uh, in our website. We've been doing that for five years. But that information that we gather from every month or from the exhibitions and projects that we've been running is really what uh, fits into our future projects. So we're like, what are we listening? What are the needs that our community uh, is uh, currently needing kind of like a response to or what can we do to to improve their experience in Australia? Yeah, that's great. Amazing. That's a, a really good point about the food and tequila. I mean, tequila is always great to mention. <laughs> it's always <laughs> great to bring up. But, um, I, I feel like, um, yeah, a lot, for a lot of cultures, people recognise their food oh. or drink and see the value in that, but it doesn't really extend beyond that in terms of knowledge or seeing value in a particular uh, culture coming mm. from other countries. And um, but there is so much more. Indeed, indeed. I think uh, for me, or how this all started was, uh, so I came here in 2011 to do my master's at Melbourne Uni, and 20 days later, I met my now husband. But my plan was never to stay. I had a good job in Mexico, working yeah, corporate, yeah. and then I was like, I think at the time you're really in love, and it's really exciting. I mean, I mean, I'm still in love, but, <laughs> but like it's different. You're in a different mindset. It comes, in, comes in waves. Yes, Don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> no, you know, like it's it's just really exciting the idea that you're you're staying somewhere because you're in love, but then like it hits yep. you the rest of what it actually means how far away you are from everything you've known from everything that that you're familiar and I think honestly it hit me maybe three years later right 
when wow. when I think when we bought a house, I was like, oh, this is it. Like I'm buying property yeah. here. And now that we have a son, it's like I'm definitely staying in Australia for a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyways, back to like I came here and then I met him and then I stayed and I got my first job uh, working for the Victorian public sector, which I'm super grateful and I'm really happy that I'm there. Uh, I'm still there and it's a way that lets me contribute to the Victorian society. I like the impact that we have because it's a state government. So uh, we are the economic regulator for water, price, energy, transport, and local government. So it matters. And particularly it matters because we're taking, uh, we're making sure that the views of underprivileged uh, or people that necessarily don't have access to have their voice being heard, we're considering all of those voices all the time. Anyways, yeah. but I got my first job and in that office, I would ask people like, you know, they're like, oh, where's that lovely accent from? <gasps> and I would feel my boil my boy my blood boy yeah because yep. I felt like he was telling me like you're not from here you're so different um, you know yep. and my husband who's Australian uh, he was like people are just trying to be nice to you they're just making conversation <laughs> like mm. you know chill and I was like yeah but it tells me like I oh it's obvious I'm not from here so now I always answer to the where are you from I'm like Norway and they're like really I'm like yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Can't you tell? <laughs> yeah, you know. That's why I anyway. drink so much tequila. It's famous in yeah. Norway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did ask people like, you know, so have you met any other Mexicans or have you met any other Latin mm. Americans before knowing me? Because a lot of the things I said, they were like, really? That's very different, you know? And in an office of 80 people, only one person had come uh, or had met a person of Latin American background in Victoria, and it was the soccer coach for their daughter. And someone what? else said, I think the cleaner in the office is from Latin America. No one had traveled to Latin America. Uh, it was very, you know, like a, different. So I felt yeah. like I came yeah. from Mars. Did that feel so, shocking to you? What did it like, did it really take, like set you all back? Yeah. yeah. Definitely, definitely. Because yeah. it's like these people really do not understand where I come from I felt like I always had to explain myself because mm -hmm. simply they didn't understand not just my cultural background but my personal background my education background many things that even Mexico I just said so basic as I work in this company they would know what university I went to you know mm -hmm. like all the all the links of like what what have you done and who's your network and it's but people here was like mm -hmm. And the fact that I work for like a super cool company meant nothing. They're like, ah, but in Mexico, you know, you haven't worked here. Um, and right. That local experience or, or where some jobs in our country are not relevant to Australia. So yeah, definitely. A shock. Mm. I so how holidays. long ago was that when you started there? Eight years ago. Eight, eight years, years ago. Yeah. yeah. Eight years ago. Yeah. So I think maybe two years after that, I went on a holiday and I was like, oh, I like, and, you know, you got, you get creative vibes. Mm. And I was like, I feel like uh, I need to do something like creative, but in the same sense that allows people to see what is the experience of a Mexican living in Australia. So yep. initially I thought, why don't I start telling people, write a blog, a Mexican living in Australia, right? And then I was like, hmm. then I met some really nice people, really people. It's not about the niceness because they're actually also nice people, but People that are developing cutting edge research that actually matters, you know, replicating a hard 
heart attack and nanotechnology that goes in to stop wow. like things that was like wow and it's already being used you know uh, we had a person in parliament uh, that matters you know shaping politics with mm. people in really important uh jobs that uh were of latin american background and it's like how, how do we tell these stories how come people don't know about this really there is more than just the cleaners and the soccer coaches which mm. you know cleaners are a super fabulous fantastic job as well because yes. it matters a lot mm-hmm. uh, but in terms of the impact that that the job description can have is a little bit different to other roles uh, right so uh, i told this to my friend trini abascal which is the co-founder of latin stories and she liked the idea and she said but why don't we make it bigger why don't we actually talk to all of the latin american community mm. in australia so we went from mexican in melbourne to mexicans in melbourne to latin americans in australia yes. that's the beginning of latin stories australia maybe five years ago five Much years ago scope. yeah so that's i guess amazing. it was trying to find a sense mm. of community and um uh shared experience and shared culture um have you noticed a shift in those years? Do you feel like um, people's perceptions have changed? Are you finding that um, you're more connected to your community here? I'm certainly more connected to the community here and there are lots of uh, groups, lots of individuals trying to make a difference. That's something that I have been like taking about. Like, there's a lot of creativity, a lot of support, a lot of generosity. Uh, and I've only been able to connect with them because of this platform that now we have. You know, We have similar goals, we have similar values. Uh, my office is super diverse now. Uh, uh, and awesome. that has also, like over the years, it has become a more diverse uh, office. And that also is amazing, you know, because now people actually, oh, they have traveled or they've been three mm. months in Latin America and things like that that uh, allow me to connect. Or just in general, if you tell me that you love tacos, I love you because I love anyone that loves something that comes from my culture <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like I'm here in this island, you know? So it's really nice to to connect with anyone that appreciates something it, as little as I've been to a Mexican restaurant or as big as, you know, I've been to, uh, my partner is from somewhere in Latin America, or or I saw a movie, and now I actually understand my neighbor told me, I saw the movie Coco, and now I feel like I, I <laughs> you know, I, I, kind of, I kind of get more the day of the day than why you celebrate it and why it's so scary. So certainly, I think a lot of like, it has helped, a lot of things in the world have helped to change the view of what Mexicans are yeah, or Latin Americans in general, I guess. Yeah, totally. Um, I wanted to ask, how did you meet uh, Trini? I know Trini because she is the cousin of my best friend's husband. And I've known her since I was 15 because every summer she would go to our city for the holidays. Uh, so we, it was just lucky that we both ended up in Melbourne at the same time. She came here six months before me and then I came and then she came, went back and came, but now we're here and we are both, uh, I guess, stable with, uh, jobs that help us to contribute to society. Uh, she's a researcher and works in a really cool family violence, uh, company and we both have Australian partners. So I think it's really lucky that we share these common values and the way we work. Uh, it's really good. 
That's amazing. That's so exciting because, um, I mean, you're, the site that you guys have created and the space that you've created for telling these stories is so diverse, whether it is where the people are coming from because Latin America is obviously enormous, but then also mm. the, the broad strokes of people who are, you know, in science or in medicine or they're artists, comedians. Um, how mm. are you finding these people? And, and it must be so satisfying because it's great to read. Like there's so much color in everything that you're reading because everyone's telling so many different stories. Yeah. How do you find these, these people to interview? I think at the beginning when I just first arrived to Melbourne and I went to Melbourne Journey, they had a Latin American dialogue event mm -hmm. and I was able to meet a lot of the ambassadors and people with, uh, from the industry that attended that event. I was a volunteer, but I was able to network and I just met them. It, it, there was, it was nothing. Latin stories was not even created at that stage, but I knew who they were. You know, they were mm -hmm. like key people in universities doing amazing work in the Latin American space. So when I actually started Latin Stories, I was able to tap in those connections that I had uh, done early on. And also because I felt like I didn't really connect a lot here with a lot of people. I was trying to reach out to my community. So I, you know, joined the Mexican Association, my University in Mexico Association, the Chamber of Commerce Association. But, and I met everyone, which was fantastic because that was the base of our network. Uh, yeah, and I think then for the first year, that's where those stories came from. But then once you start telling a story and people enjoy the process, because it's very straightforward and really easy, challenges, contrast, and piece of advice. It's 1,000 words. It's really easy. It takes you three minutes to read. But for <laughs> the person, it's really a recognition of who they are, what they have contributed, and it is their life story. And because mm -hmm. they're not necessarily superstars, uh, that you I don't know like music stars or something like that with a super public profile it's really interesting for them to actually reflect and feel rewarded or feel recognized in a way for the work they have done and they don't necessarily have to be giving back to the community they can just simply be superstars in what they're doing uh, we have uh, one story that actually was you know did the rounds because uh, people really enjoyed it uh, she's a volunteer and she dances with uh, seniors uh, she takes them the Latin American songs nice. and you know so yeah but then we also have the I don't know the real estate stars we have a soccer player we've had for example Ivana Listegueta the mm. Venezuelan comedian yes. when we went to the Melbourne Comedy Festival I think we heard there's a Venezuelan in the circuit you know so you go and check him out so we went to the session we're like he's amazing and we reached out and we were lucky that he said yes so I think it's also really nice that people are not saying like no you're too small or why would I want to talk to you I think it's been really nice to feel welcomed by others and for example through Ivan we were able to reach out to some of his networks because he lived in Adelaide before so he introduced us to Alirio Sabarse a theater director uh, nominated for the Order of Australia yeah uh, his, he his interview is amazing yes He's crazy yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you oh you're ready <laughs> Yeah, like talk about giving back to the community, right? Yeah. Working with kids with disability, uh, just just true hero, true hero. Totally. There's Hugo Salcedo. He's a Colombian, you know, from where he started to how established he is now. So I think we've been really lucky that people feel generous to share their contacts with us. Yeah, yeah. and Ivan, um, 
told us to get in contact with you ah. because we had him on the show but I'm I'm also friends with him through doing comedy ah. and um, so, yeah, wow. we had him in an episode and he said, oh, listen, you've got to get in contact with them. Ah. Um, they run this great um, program and there's so many great stories it's like, from people out there. Ah, makes mm. so it's lovely, you know, it's when you're like we, we, we're connected in these values which is we want to help our community, we want to motivate our community, we want to share with Australia that we are here to to you know to make our lives better but also their lives better like we are active members of this society and we love being here Mm. And that's the thing about all of these stories is like these people are crushing it. It's like you said, like some of these things, uh, you know, they're not superstars, but like these people are killing it in their careers and it's really satisfying to, um, yeah, to read their stories and to, to read their reflections. Um, is there a, a reoccurring theme in what uh, people talk about in like the transition from moving overseas and immigrating that you've yeah. noticed in your stories? So every December, instead of posting a story, we, we post the reflection of the year, what we learned this year. Mm-hmm. So we take all of the stories and we see what were those themes on the contrast challenges and that. And certainly, I mean, the language, the language is, is, is a big, and it's been all over the five years. Mm-hmm. And the, the distance, the being so far away that if something happens, you cannot just take a plane and be there in two hours. It may take you mm-hmm. like 24 hours to actually get there and it may be too late. So it, it, those heartbreaking circumstances, uh, certainly, it's a, it's not for the faint-hearted, I think, to migrate. And I think to my advance in my case, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, that's what I mean, <laughs> you know? I was really in love. I was like, but when she you had actually, love hard eyes she didn't know what was going know, on if you really yeah. think about it like if you're like so if you read our stories and you just like read the part when they're like changing uh, locations or leaving a life yep. behind for whatever circumstance it may be you're like mm, do i really want to do this like i don't know <laughs> so so that's why it's important to keep reading the story until the end and you're like wow you know they got the opportunity to reinvent themselves they have, it's not because love is not a common theme in the stories a lot have already mm. they had love before they came with the love they came with the partner so they came early or they came late or you know it's not necessarily the the the, the situation it's a lot of the times it has been unfortunately political instability just trying mm. to to find a better life so mm. yeah i think uh, those themes uh, are there, but every person manages to share them with a bit of something different. You can really see, you know, their unique perspective and their unique spin. And so maybe more, I think maybe yeah, it's not blunt the word, but like harder to read or harsher the experience. Some say more rosy. Mm-hmm. I think it also depends where in their story they are. We always, always ask that the person we interview at least has been in Australia for five years. Because Amazing. in our experience, we've seen that in five years, people uh, get married, divorce, uh, decide to go back, start the business, the business may close. So uh, as we have seen that, we took maybe on the first year the decision that we wanted to be able to share those stories with people that have already had lived those experiences and can talk from a lived experience, but also is the word superated? Maybe it's not a word, like overcome 
from from a place of that they have already overcome yeah. the the challenge. I guess the um, the difficulties and the positive experiences that you have in your first year here will be different to your fifth year or tenth year. Yeah. Um, I guess there's different obstacles to overcome. Have you felt personally that um, difficulties you've felt about leaving home um, have changed over the years? Yes. Uh, I think it's embarrassing to actually say this one because people would ask me, what's the thing that you miss the most? And I would say having help. Not that I didn't miss my family and my friends, but mm. I was just so used to having help. It's not yeah. embarrassing at all. That's like totally understandable. You lose well, your support network. Yes, um, because this support network makes you look younger and prettier and you have time to, you know, the things. <laughs> so go to the gym and things like that. Your makeup artist. <laughs> well, you know, whatever, like you don't always have to put in the laundry like I do these days, you know, or, yeah. or put all the dishwasher all the time. But... Uh, I, I miss that. Like, I really was like, uh, or like carrying the groceries in my arm, like in my shoulders. I remember like my skin was damaged because well, I guess I have like cheap skin or weak skin. I don't know how you say it, but I was just carrying milk. And like, it was like all cut there, you know? Like, certainly the, 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 the challenges have changed, but uh, now I don't even see it as a challenge. And Trini and I always say, remember publishing the first story. What if no one likes this? You know, what if no one finds value? And we said, doesn't matter because we found value in it. We have felt less lonely in our journey. We're also migrants. We also have our own personal struggles. We're lucky we don't come mm. from a worn, war-torn country or that have had to come under very difficult circumstances. But everyone has their own struggles. So uh, when we did one interview, this girl said, that for her, not having help was one of the biggest uh, challenges and even more so now that she had kids. But she's learned to realize that it's a team that now she has with her husband and that it's that relationship that has become really strong because it's like a really good dynamic that if one doesn't do something, then the other one or the household gets affected. So, you know, you have this responsibility, you know, like in my case, one puts the laundry, the other one hangs it because I usually forget and and it works. <laughs> And, and it's not even like it took me 10 minutes like it's not that big of a deal you learn and then when you also look around in Australia everyone does it everyone's really independent when I would tell my work colleagues like oh, I don't know how I'm gonna do it without help and a baby they're all like we did it and we're fine you will do it you adjust <laughs> so yeah so I just want to ask because um you have the website full of all these amazing stories um, but it's not just the website also part of Latin Stories Australia is uh, live events and workshops that you've run um, can you tell us a bit about what they have um, what what has been involved there Definitely, uh, we've had, uh, we have been very lucky to have the opportunity to apply for grants. 
so that we can develop these uh, workshops for the community. Because as you can imagine, it, it's, a, it's a whole production. It's time and it's money that needs to be put into producing something like this. So last year we did 10 workshops. Uh, they were called interweaving, which is precisely we want to weave ourselves into the fabric of Australia. How, how do you achieve that? And it was, uh, I think, half a day session with lunch included. And we, we had uh, three different parts. The first part was talking about Australian values, what they are, how can we actually live them? What does that mean? The second part was about a, an inspiring immigration story from our website. They came to speak and they had the chance to, to connect with uh, the audience members. The third part was talking about a... It was called, I don't remember, but it was the part with Momentum Psychology, which is a group of psychologists of Latin American background. And it was uh, exploring sense of belonging. So why do we feel that we belong or don't belong? And super interesting sessions uh, mm. you can only imagine. People that have been here 40 years and still feel from somewhere else. Mm. Uh, I, and the last part of the session was about tolerance and diversity that was done by Casa Cultura. So it's other groups also here that are also providing services to our community with our same values. Um, we did 10 of them. We did them across the state. Uh, we went to everywhere. Uh, Frankston, Geelong, Bendigo. Uh, and it was a great experience so that we could uh, get close to where our community is based. And at the moment, we're running a project uh, called... Um, Nuestras Voces, which is our voices, which is to tell the stories of Latin American immigrants that arrived between the 60s and the 80s. Uh, it's been interesting and challenging because it's COVID times and we had planned mm. the sessions to be in the house and doing this recording. So now we've turned to, you know, Zoom and similar platforms like you to, to record. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward, you know, to, to producing this uh, documentary in uh, May. So that's very exciting because uh, yeah. it's really capturing those stories of the people that led the way for us as Latin Americans. They are the ones mm. that had to send via post a notice saying, hey, let's get together in two months and circulate it. You know, it was really <laughs> challenging for them back then. The project that we're currently working on is called Juntos Contigo, which is together with you. And it is mental health uh, sessions. And mm. it's a free, it's every Thursday of November at December. And it's a, the catch there is that if you attend the session and you are actually in need, we can give you a voucher for $50 to use in eight participating restaurants of Latin America, you know, food. So that's, so nice. that's great. Yeah. Uh, Trini, you know, found the, the, the link to this grant and she said, let's do it. And she had the idea. So we went for it and we were lucky that we obtained the, the support from government to go ahead and do it. And this is how it works in, in our space. Uh, we have to put a proposal of a project. It has to have the right backing. It has to have the right letters. It has to have the right structure. And I think with five years now under our belt, we're getting better, but that doesn't mm. mean that all the time we're successful. So we're lucky when we are and we can do the most that we can with the project. Grant work. Grant applications are so much work. We know that. But we um, do. it's incredible because you've gone from, as you mentioned before, what started as a blog, sharing stories online to sharing many, many stories, connecting with more people, running live workshops, um, now running two very different 
projects. So it's been a, a, an amazing growth. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, I still don't know how we do it, to be honest. <laughs> uh, someone told me the other day, like, and for me, it was like, I don't know, I never think much of like, oh, I'm really cool, you know. She's like, oh, you're, uh, what am I doing? Oh, you're working full time, kind of, <laughs> three days a week. You're doing so <laughs> much, you can't even remember what you're doing. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm cool, because I can't remember. Anyway, when she hears this, Trini <laughs> is my memory, and I'm so grateful for her. She tells me every day, reminder of what I need to do. That's how we yeah. work. Like otherwise, <laughs> she's so organized. She she knows all of the accounts and she knows where we should be and the reporting and this and that. And I uh, I think I'm a little bit more in the creative side of things. And I mean, obviously, I do some work, but uh, she she's really the the the, the well uh, oil machinery behind this uh, project. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the project that you were just talking about, about helping uh, give sessions to people in the community who are struggling during COVID and getting this mental health support and then amazingly these little vouchers to go and have dinner from Latin American restaurants, which is so nice. Did you find that there was a big... Um, a big ask in the community that of a lot of, because what I saw on your website was for young people, uh, students, people on temporary visas who were kind of falling between the cracks of government support during a pandemic. And I'm sure lots of people lost work. Was there a big call out? um, Yeah. How did you find these people to help support them? I think they just reach out the in mm. our networks. Uh, mm. He's like, hey, do you know of any support that is available um, in this situation? And again, we are lucky that organizations uh, in government or other organizations already recognize also the Red Cross, Brotherhood of San Lawrence, Ames Australia contact us directly and they say, do you have people in this category? So we were oh, able amazing. to give them direct, to refer them directly. Uh, and then other organizations uh, like Somos 21 were also running uh, this uh, massive support for students, which is great. Uh, so we knew that there was like a big need and we were like lucky that we can right now help them with this. That has a, a little bit of a different angle, you know. I feel like the catch is there has been a lot of like, here you go, food vouchers. But if we're forcing them to attend a session that may help them or benefit them in some way, that's why we wanted to do it a little bit different. So like the topics that we're discussing, for example, is how to like face a pandemic away from home, strategies to cope with mm-hmm. anxiety, how to identify depression and look strategies to avoid falling into it. How can we avoid feeling so lonely? And let's talk about resilience. And uh, I think these topics really apply anytime. Uh, mm. it doesn't, we don't have to be in a pandemic. It's just the pandemic has heightened the situation. Yeah, totally. So you are clearly doing a lot, <laughs> a lot of work <laughs> with Latin Stories Australia and a lot of the various different pro- projects. And um, you are also a mother. Mm. So on top of that... Um, which is huge. Anytime I think of, um, doing something and I'm like, oh, can I fit it in? Can I, and I I always remind myself that people do so much and then also have children as well. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be lazy. Um, but I just wanted to ask you, um, because we haven't had a lot of parents on this show. So we're always really interested in knowing about, um, Raising a child in a different country to uh, where you grew up and 
how um, how difficult or you find or easy you find um, being able to um, communicate and pass on um, some of your culture and um, your identity from your home country? Mm. Uh, I think I love a celebration. So it's mm. easy because we have so many, you know, Mexican independence, the day of the dead. What else do we celebrate? Um, it's just those two <laughs> when I say maybe, but it's just, it just happened in September and November. What else do we have? <laughs> I think we celebrate as well the same things, but we put our spin on them. You know, we also celebrate Christmas, yep. but we celebrate, yep. you know, we baby Jesus comes to Mexico instead of Santa Claus, for example. So yep. perhaps he's my son uh, is going to be two this year. So I think this is the first year that I will actually, you know, put you know, try to teach him that there's surprises and, you know. So I have seen in how my sister raises her children in California, like as Mexican and American. Yeah. So I think from that I have taken some pointers that I can in- incorporate two things in, in one, that we can celebrate more than one thing. It doesn't just have to be one or the other. You know, we are, in my case, it's going to be we're Mexican and Australian. So we yeah. celebrate Australia Day and we celebrate Mexico's Independence Day. And I think I'm lucky that my husband is open in that sense to like celebrate whatever you want. That's fine. Like I can put whatever decorations I want in the house. So things like that, you know, I haven't really felt like, oh, no, 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 we don't do that here. You, you're you not allowed to do these things or something like that. Uh, and I mean, the language thing is uh, interesting. It's just at the moment I speak to him in Spanish and my husband in English. So, but when my husband is present, I talk to him in Spanish and then in English. Or I repeat yep. things twice, you know, and just I'm trying to, there's research on this. So I try to like listen to suggestions of how to do it, you know, acknowledge like if I say agua and it's water and uh, the Australian pronunciation, wata, wata. So this is wata. <laughs> oh, don't even wata. start with, there's English and then there's Australian. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so he says wata. I'm like, oh. That's great. You said water. The word in Spanish is agua. So yeah. to, that those are some tr- like tricks to like acknowledge that I understand that you're speaking two languages and mm. I try to. But they say as he gets older, it's like the battle is uphill. But that you just have to keep at it so that he knows that, you know, his mother speaks a different language. It, you know, I mean, he's still young, but I'm trying to reach out to other mothers that also speak Spanish. So hopefully he also sees that other kids speak Spanish and he doesn't feel embarrassed by it. Yeah, that's the difficult thing. I because my parents, well, mum hadn't been here for very long before she had us. Um, She'd Mm. only been in the country for a few years. uh, Well, one year before she started having kids, and so um, we learnt English, Italian, and there's videos of us as kids, and we're just talking Italian, like really fluently our dialect there and then somewhere along the way which we still understand we can still speak not brilliantly not as well as I would like but um I don't know what happened I think it was going to school and learning English and um being around uh more people that don't speak Italian that you kind of we kind of lost it a little bit, but both of my grandmothers, they don't, they didn't know how to speak English. So we still mm. had that connection there. And I think, um, yeah. 
if it wasn't for that, it, we would have lost a lot more. Mm. So I think it's, uh, yeah, as you said, really the continuation of it. And it's such a great thing. And, you know, two years old, you're just absorbing everything so easily. True. Do you find it useful that you can understand? Italian yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Oh, and great. especially traveling to Italy, um, it just feels, yeah, it feels yeah. like, you know, you can understand well. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Because so, there's a so difference foreign. in, yeah, sort of learning it um, later in life to um, growing up with Being something. Being brought up with I think, it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, at the same time as English. But I just want to ask you, um, because you mentioned the Day of the Dead before, and I think for a lot of people who aren't from Mexico and don't really even know a lot about Mexico, yeah. that is still something that is um, quite familiar, even just the imagery of it. They may not know what it actually um, means or much about the actual celebration, but mm. um, have seen the skull imagery and that kind of thing. Um, did you, what sort of a connection do you have to that celebration? Well, I think uh, the day of the day, obviously, it's a Mexican holiday that is celebrated mm -hmm. in Mexico uh, specifically, and it involves family and friends getting together to remember friends or family that passed away. So it's, so it's to celebrate the life of others that were here before you. It doesn't yeah. have a scary connotation. That would be Halloween, the day of the mm -hmm. dead, as a positive, mm -hmm. happy vibe. You yeah. go to cemetery to pay your respects. You build an mm. altar in your home, uh, remembering all the things that the person liked. Uh, growing up, I actually didn't have one at home. I asked my mom and she said, look, I always felt a little bit spooked about the celebration. But as an adult, I now like it. So the same yeah. happened to me. Like, but they also make Day of the Dead bread. So in November in Mexico, it's cold. So you have that bread with hot chocolate and it's delicious. It's in the shape of bones. Oh, <laughs> so, awesome. So, yeah, it's so good. And now there's <laughs> so many Mexicans selling it here, which is great. Uh, so that this November for me, I was like, oh, I felt like I traveled. I had like my chocolate and my yes. Day of the Dead bread. So yeah, uh, now that I... I'm not at home or, or I'm not in the place where I grew up and I was born. Uh, I feel a stronger connection to that day mm. because it's, wow. it's like uh, it doesn't matter where you are, your ancestors are with you. You bring them with you. That's how I have interpreted that. And I really like it that in the altar that you put at home, it has levels and there's elements that represent the earth, the fire, and the window yes so you put a uh, flags of um, really thin cut paper in the shape of skulls or whatever you want colorful flags you'll see them in like little uh, thin paper and that's for the wind so that to move to move them and that way you know that the person that the soul has arrived so it has a meaning like why the altars have these like colorful flags wow. uh, 
and you That's put water amazing. so because they're thirsty of the long journey so now it's like i mean we even joke right my my son thomas i put some chips i hit like chippies and my husband goes like no they're for the deaf people i'm like why do you say it like that <laughs> they're like dead people just wonder <laughs> yeah eating the wrong food um yeah. it- but it's so interesting to have um, that celebratory and uh, kind of fun and light aspect associated with death because we haven't really spoken about death on this um podcast before but the way that people grieve and um mourn and um I guess celebrate or not the dead is very linked to culture and Mm. um for a lot of um for a lot of cultures it's uh something that is very mournful sorrowful Mm. or you just um, avoid talking from it you avoid talking about about it it. yeah yeah No, I, I, it's funny. I feel also it gives, it allows you to have more closure on it because you remember for the good things. And you also remember that if it's in your family, you know what, what you have from them. Is it your grandmother who's your relative? And in this year that unfortunately so many lives have been lost, mm. I think it was such a special uh, day to be able mm. to uh, recognize all the doctors. So in Mexico, a tremendous loss of life. Mm. has occurred so it was certainly allowed for everyone to be able to to mourn but also pay your respects and your tributes to healthcare workers and to uh, many other people in uh still with a celebratory you know environment with it still with color still with food still sharing it with someone else so yeah thanks for asking me about it it's really special and important for me to also be able to share something of my culture yeah thank you for sharing and obviously COVID is happening, so it, nothing happened this year. But um, in the past or in the future, do um, the Mexican community in Melbourne and Australia have Day of the Dead celebrations or is it just more yes. something we do at home? No, yeah. the, there's Mexican associations in New South Wales and in Victoria and I feel also in Queensland. And uh, they get together and they organize. And our embassy puts together a fantastic program. And if you're lucky to go to Canberra, they invite like artists. Last year they had Ulises Resendez, which is like a well-known Mexican uh, artist. And he did this uh, koala and kangaroo with like skulls, you know, like just Beautiful. the bones and that. It is magic, yeah. And <laughs> it, it's it's here, like it's, it's in the context of Australia, but we feel like there's other people celebrating it as well, so. That's good. Amazing. That's right. Well, I, I I definitely want to track down that bread, the skull bread with the yeah, hot chocolate. I'll send you the link. <laughs> I'll send amazing. you the link. <laughs> You've got to let us know where that is. <laughs> where we can find that. Um, but thank you once again for sharing. Um, it's really it's been really special to hear your story. Um, thanks for letting us know all about Latin Stories Australia, and we would really encourage all of our listeners to uh, check out the stories online. And um, where else they can they find you on Instagram? Yes, also on Instagram, on Facebook, in Twitter. Do you want my yeah. mobile number? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to be texting you about that bread. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I get it. No. Um, but yeah, if you are listening to this podcast, obviously you have an interest in um, 
in culture, in immigration, and we think that you would find uh, Latin Stories Australia really fascinating, enlightening, and um, definitely think you should check it out. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Christina. Thank you so much, Sonia and Mel, for your time and for your interest in Latin Americans in Australia. Thanks for joining us. Um, we really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everyone. We've got plenty more of season four coming your way. Um, if you would like to support us uh, to make more episodes, we are on Patreon. So you can sign up for a few dollars a month and you will get bonus episodes every month. Ooh. You will get our fortnightly newsletter and we will give you a shout out on the show. We need to shout out to our most recent Patreon supporter, Mel. Would you like to give them a shout out? Kate, Nicholas, bless your soul. Bless your cotton socks. Bless your fantasmini, my new favourite Italian <laughs> word. Um, and we really appreciate all your support. So thank you very much. Thanks a lot and goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Who the Bloody Hell Are We? If you like what you're hearing, subscribe, rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. Audio production and original music is by Andre Christodoulou. Search for us on Facebook for more information about our guests, fun content, and to keep the conversation going. Hold up. 